Welcome to GlendaleCC.org and to the Glendale Christian KY podcast on iTunes, and thank you for joining us. This week, Senior Minister Jeff Gaines is talking about fighting fair in your marriage as part of our sermon series on relationships, love, and war. Thank you for listening, and as always, we hope that you learn and enjoy. I want to thank all of you guys for being here, and I want you to let you know there's only two types of people that are not welcome at this church today. Number one are perfect people. If you're a perfect person, I would ask you to leave before the rest of us rub off on you. Um, There's just no perfect people out here. Uh, And then if you're a Patriots fan, I just ask you to go, okay? Just go ahead and leave. I'm not rooting for the Falcons, but I'm definitely rooting against the Patriots. And I think any any godly person would agree with me in that. We're in the middle of a sermon series entitled Love and War. And uh, this sermon series, uh, and specifically this message, um, the ideal place to communicate this is not a Sunday morning sermon. I want to be honest with you. uh, Because this is going to be probably the most practical message that you will ever hear me preach which is a good thing. I'm not saying it's a bad thing, but um, the ideal circumstance for a a sermon like this, a a talk like this, would be at a marriage retreat. However, this is what I thought. Um, We scheduled a retreat for February at White Mills uh, in the fall, and I prayed on it and prayed on it and prayed on it, and this is what I realized. The people that really need to hear this information won't come. The people that really need to work on their marriage they won't be there. And so um, I was determined to get the information to you one way or another. And this is the best, the best approach that I could come up with, is just sharing with you on Sunday morning. So today I want to talk to you about fighting fair. Fighting fair. And we're going to talk specifically about marriages. But I think that a lot of the information that I'm going to share with you today, it applies to every relationship that you can be in. Uh, specifically romantic relationships. So if you're dating, uh, if you're engaged, if you're newly married or you've been married for 100 years, I think that this information is going to help you today. We're going to talk about fighting fair. The reality is that fighting is a part of marriage. Um, You will fight. it's, It's just part of it. I've heard that marriage is like a deck of cards. You start off with two hearts and a diamond, and you end up with a club and a spade. So, I don't know. I've also heard there's different stages in fighting when it comes to marriage. Um, The first year, the man yells and the woman listens. In year two, the woman yells and the man listens. In year three, they both yell and the neighbors listen. The question isn't, will we fight? You will fight in a marriage. You will. And you're going to fight over some dumb stuff. Uh, You're going to fight over burnt toast. You're going to fight over the trash. You're going to fight over the thermostat, amen? You're going to fight over who gets the bed sheets. Uh, You're going to fight over loading the dishwasher. You're going to fight over some dumb, dumb stuff. And you're also going to fight over some really important things, some things that are going to affect you the rest of your life. Um, The question isn't, will you fight? The question is, how will you fight in your marriage? Unhealthy relationships, uh, they fight to win. They fight to win. One or both parties just refuses to lose. And so at all costs, they're going to win the argument. Here's the problem with that. You can win the fight and lose your marriage. can win the fight and lose your marriage, and many times it's not worth it. Uh, Unhealthy relationships refuse to fight. 
sometimes I uh, have premarital counseling and one of the sessions that we have I'll begin in this way tell me about your last fight and if they say we never fight that's a huge red flag it's a huge red flag and I'll tell you why it's one of three things that's happening in that situation number one you've got a, a dominant personality and so every time there's an argument, every time there's a conflict, they just dominate the conversation. They dog dominate the argument. And so this is not a fight. It's just one person is dominating the other person. Or you've got a person that just suppresses everything. Every time they're disappointed, every time they're discouraged, every time they're frustrated, they don't talk about it. They just bury it deep inside and become a ticking time bomb. Or you have one or both parties that just don't care enough about the relationship to work on it. And so when anything happens that disappoints them or doesn't meet their expectations, they say, ah, oh, who cares? It's unhealthy if you're not having arguments in your relationship. It's a healthy practice in a marriage. Healthy marriages fight, but they fight fair. They don't fight to win. They fight for a resolution. You see, your spouse isn't your enemy. They're your partner. And so the goal in fighting or arguing in marriage isn't to dominate your opposition, the goal in your arguments when it comes to marriage is to become a better team. So we're not going to fight constantly. We're going to fight when it's necessary and appropriate. I want to talk to you today about fighting fair. Pray with me. Father, we come to this time, um, and we know that you're the God that created marriage. And you created it in the midst of creating the whole universe. Marriage was one of the good things that you created, one of the many good things that you created, and it was fundamental to your creation. And so, Lord, as we consider that today, I pray that every one of us in this room, uh, whether we're married or whether one day we will be married, that we'll learn some things that we can do to fight for our marriage instead of fighting in our marriage. Lord, help us to work towards resolutions today. I pray for hope, and I pray for joy in marriages and relationships today. Open our eyes and our ears and our hearts to what you'd have for us. In Jesus' name, amen. We're going to look at James chapter 1, verse 9. This is the verse we're going to camp out in today. I think there's a lot of wisdom for us. James says this, Let every person be quick to hear, slow to speak, and slow to anger. The next time in your argument, when you're, when you're arguing in your marriage, I'd encourage you to do this. Be quick to hear. Be quick to hear. And when I say that, what I mean is to say, stop and listen carefully. The posture of a normal fight is generally defensive, right? So you, you're either defensive in one of two ways. You're defensive in, I'm going to dodge every point, punch. I'm going to block every punch. I'm going to um, ex make excuses or I'm going to deflect blame or I'm going to minimize whatever it is that you're bringing to me. Um, this isn't a good posture when it comes to arguing in a marriage. Because as your spouse is bringing their disappointment to you, your brain is busy trying to formulate an excuse or some sort of defense. You're not listening. You're thinking of what you're going to say next. Uh, another way that people are defensive when it comes to an argument and they're not listening is that they're very, very aggressive in their defense. And they're thinking, my, my best defense is a good offense. And so whenever somebody brings an argument to you, whenever your spouse brings a, a concern to you, uh, your natural reaction is just to fight back. It's to start throwing haymakers. And you think, I'm going to knock them out before they ever land a, a punch on me. 
And so when they bring this, this confrontation, when they bring this concern to you, then your mind is just thinking about all the things they've done wrong. And so it's accusation after accusation after accusation. And they'll bring something to you, and then you'll spit right back at them. Well, what about the time you did that? Well, what about this? And what about this? You're no better than I am. Who do you think you are? And this isn't a good posture when it comes to listening in an argument because you're just busy talking. You're not listening at all. If we're going to fight fair in our marriages, we need to learn how to take a punch. Don't dodge punches. Don't swing back. Stop thinking of a comeback. Stop thinking of excuses and listen carefully. Taking punches isn't how you win a fight, but it is how you work on your marriage. A practical tip to help you here is a a skill called affirming and confirming. Uh, It works this way. Your spouse brings uh, their concern to you, and you listen. Uh, So I'm not going to start making excuses and say, hold on, hold on, hold on. Let me me explain what happened there. You're going to hear them out. Uh, When they say something to you, it hurts your feelings. You're not going to just try and hurt them back. Instead, you're going to let them speak their peace. When they're finished talking, you're going to say this. I'm hearing you say that, and you're going to insert your spouse's feelings. I'm hearing you say that you're angry, or you're sad, or you're frustrated, or you're disappointed. And then you're going to say, I'm hearing you say that, spouse's feelings, that you blank when I, and you're going to insert your behavior. So I'll give you a couple examples. I'm hearing you say that you get embarrassed when I put all of our personal business on Facebook for the whole world to see. That's what I'm hearing you say. I'm hearing you say that it makes you mad and cold when I turn the thermostat down to 58 degrees at night. That's what I'm hearing you say. Now, when we repeat back, it's affirming your spouse's feelings. It's a way of saying, I acknowledge your anger, I acknowledge your sadness, your frustration, your fear, your disappointment. Now, I think that the ladies in the room can agree with me on this. Guys, if you would get better at affirming your wife's feelings, then your fights wouldn't last nearly as long, and you probably wouldn't be sleeping on the couch nearly as much. Is that true, ladies? It's true. We affirm their feelings, and many times it's just in affirming their feelings that the conflict is resolved. The tension dissolves. Because oftentimes people just want to be heard, don't they? And so when we affirm someone's feelings, I affirm that I have hurt you. I agree with you that you're, you're mad and you're angry and you have every right to be. Many times that helps us to get to a resolution when it comes to our conflict. Repeating back also confirms that you and your spouse are on the same page about what it is you're arguing about. Now this is important because oftentimes it seems like men and women speak two different languages. Isn't that true? Uh, I heard a story once of a, a lady and it was her birthday. The night before her birthday she came to her husband, she said, I had a dream last night that you bought me a diamond necklace. I wonder what that means. And her husband, like a light bulb went off in his head, and he said, you may find out tonight. And so that evening, he brought to her a small package, and she ripped it open, and she found a book entitled, The Meaning of Dreams. (laughs) Guys are not always great at hearing what is actually being said. And ladies aren't always great at hearing what is actually being said. So, if we repeat back, I'm hearing you say that you're mad, or you're sad, or you're upset, or you're angry, or you're frustrated, or you're disappointed, or you're discouraged, because of this thing that I've done, then you're confirming what it is that you're fighting about, 
and why you're fighting. We're fighting over this issue in particular. We're fighting over the dishwasher, or we're fighting over the bills, or we're fighting over how we're raising our kids, or we're fighting over what's going on in the bedroom. And the reason we're fighting over it is because it makes me mad, or because it makes me sad, or it makes me embarrassed, or it makes me frustrated. And see, once you figure out the what and the why of the argument, then you know where to go in resolving the issue. So I'm going to affirm and confirm the next time that I get in an argument with my spouse, I'm going to be very quick to hear. I'm going to stop and listen carefully. I would also encourage you to do this. Be slow to speak. Be slow to speak. Choose your words wisely. There was a speaker speaking at a marriage retreat, a women's conference, and uh, she, said, she asked a rhetorical question to the crowd. She said, wives, how many of you in the room want to mother your husbands? You want to mother your husbands? And, you know, rhetorical question, but one lady in the back of the row, she raised her hand up real quick, and, and the speaker was confused, and so she repeated the question. She said, you want to Mother, your husband? That sounds terrible. Why would you want to do that? And the lady in the back row said, Mother, I thought you said smother. <laughs> when, it's, when we fight, it's really easy to say and do things that we don't mean. Isn't that true? So it's important that we think about every word that comes out of our mouth. That's why James says, be slow to speak. If we're slow to speak, that gives us a second to process the words that are going to come out of our mouths and make sure that the words aren't tearing down, but they're building up. A very wise person once told me there's three things you can never take back. A loosed arrow, a missed opportunity, and a spoken word. Many of you know that to be true. So many times I've said something, and as it's the moment it came out of my lips, I wish that I could have pulled it back in. And, and the problem with those words, you know, we've always heard sticks and stones can break my bones, but words will never hurt me. But that's a lie, isn't it? Because we've all, every one of us in this room, have been deeply wounded by words. So James encourages us, be slow to speak. Make sure you choose your words wisely. In James chapter 3, verse 7 and 8, he said this, all kinds of animals, birds, reptiles, and sea creatures are being tamed and have been tamed by mankind, but no human being can tame the tongue. We can tame an elephant, we can tame an orca whale to jump through a hoop, but we can't control the words that are coming out of our mouth. we got to be so careful with the words that we speak, and this is why the tongue is a rest, restless evil. It's full of deadly poison. I think it helps if we make a decision before we get in a fight of how we're going to react and the words that we're going to say in the fight. And so... Today, I want to give you a few ground rules for the next time that you're in an argument with your spouse. I would encourage you to write some of these things down and have a conversation with your spouse about them while you guys are still speaking and before you get in your next fight, okay? Here's the first one. Never fight dirty. Never fight dirty. Here's a couple of examples of fighting dirty. A below-the-belt punch. A below-the-belt punch. Uh, a below-the-belt punch is those, those sore subjects of your spouse that you know if you go there, it's going to deeply wound them and set them off. How many of you know what your spouse's buttons are? How many of you know? Be honest. Let's learn it. Let's learn what their buttons are, and let's avoid it. No below-the-belt punches. Here's another way of fighting dirty is a sucker punch. A sucker punch is, um, 
anytime that you get in a fight with a person that isn't ready or the, the situation isn't appropriate. Ecclesiastes chapter 3, verse 1, Solomon, the wisest man who ever lived, he said this, there's a time for everything and a season for every activity under the sun. A time to tear and a time to mend. There's a time where you call out your spouse. And there's a time when you build up your spouse. A time to be silent and a time to speak. So here's the deal. If your spouse is overly emotional, if there's tears streaming down their face and they can barely even catch their breath, it's probably not a good time to argue with them. You might want to give them a chance to compose themselves. If your spouse has a frying pan in one hand and steam rolling out of their ears, then that's probably not a good time to argue with them. You might want to let them cool off a little bit. There's a time to argue. There's a time to tear down. There's a time to mend. I would also say this. It's never appropriate to fight in front of your children. It's never appropriate to do that. And I think this is a problem for dads. I know uh, from... From my personal experience, there were some fights that my parents had in front of us that still bother me to this day. And I'd say there's many in this room that can relate to that. So we're not going to fight in front of our kids. It's one of our ground rules. Here's another one. I would say it's inappropriate to fight in front of your friends and family. How many of you have been to a dinner party or a cookout? And I think wives are notorious for this. Um, You get to a dinner party or a cookout and the wife starts bashing the husband in front of all their friends and family with him standing there. Have you guys been in that situation before? And it's like it's super uncomfortable because she's calling him out on everything and then you're like, okay, I think it's time to go. Party's over. It's inappropriate to to bring all of your dirty laundry and air it in front of your friends and your family. I would also say this, never call names. Never call names. We're going to call out their behavior. We're not going to call out their character. You see, your spouse, they're not lazy or mean or selfish. They did something that is lazy or mean or selfish. Do you see the difference? They aren't a bad spouse. They made a mistake. Now, when you start calling names, what you're saying is, this is who you are. When you start saying you're a lazy person, when, when, you, when you start saying you're a selfish person, when you start saying you're a mean person, then all of a sudden... Um, you're, you're painting this picture of a thing that can never be changed. But if you start saying, what you did was a selfish thing to do, this is a behavior that we can work on. It's hard to change someone's character. It's easier to change someone's behavior. So we're going to focus on the behavior, not on the character. I would also encourage you to do this. Never get historical. So we're going to stick to the present. We're not going to bring up all the stuff from the past. You, you, people often say, well, what about that time when? Or, you did that three years ago, and it still bothers me to this day. But when you bring up the past, all you're doing is complicating the present. You're making whatever situation you're currently talking about that much more difficult to resolve. So don't bring up those past things. Focus on what's going on today. I would also encourage you to do this. Never say never or always. Never say never or always. Those are unproductive words in resolving a conflict. You never cared. You never pay attention. You always do this. You always say that. Those words paint a hopeless picture of your relationship. It paints a picture of this can never be better. Or it paints a picture of it's always going to be this bad. Don't use those words. Just stay away from them. 
And, and if you don't get anything else today, please, please, please do this. Never, never threaten divorce. Never threaten divorce. And this is what I've seen in relationships. People just throw that word out there. Well, we'll just, I'll just leave. We'll just get a divorce. I should have never married you. You start saying words like that, you're cracking the door to this thing. And I know it's a threat, but the moment you start cracking the door, the, the more likely you are to walk through it. So don't ever even go there. Just erase that from your vocabulary altogether. Be slow to speak. Choose your words wisely. James also says this, be slow to anger. I would encourage you the next time that you get in a fight with your spouse, manage your anger righteously. Ephesians chapter 4, verse 26 and 27. In your anger, do not sin, Paul says. Do not let the sun go down while you're still angry, and do not give the devil a foothold. When you get angry with your spouse, um, understand that's part of life. Uh, you will get angry with your spouse. Getting angry isn't a sin. It's what you do with the anger that makes it sinful. It's sinful to feed and hold on to your anger. Bitterness, vengeance, cold-heartedness, fits of rage. These are unhealthy and sinful responses to anger. But a righteous person, they use anger as an indicator. And when they get angry, this is what they'll say to themselves. I'm angry because there's an issue. And because there's an issue, we need to work on it. Use your anger as a warning sign that there's an issue in your relationship that you need to work on. And don't hold your anger. Instead, use your anger as a motivation to work on and work towards a resolution. Paul says, don't let the sun go down while you're still angry. Now, this could be a marriage-saving verse for some of you. Paul's saying, talk it out promptly. The sooner you can talk about the issue and work towards a resolution, the better. When you let anger fester, you're giving the devil a foothold. When you hold a grudge, you're giving the devil a foothold. I heard the story of a lady, and she was about the best wife that you could imagine. And uh, she was so patient and kind with her husband. But there was only one thing in their marriage that she demanded. Absolutely was not willing to budge on this one thing. There was a box that she kept in her closet, a shoebox. And she told her husband, don't ever, ever, ever look in that shoebox. So he honored her request. Years and years and years go by, and she's on her deathbed. And her husband, in the back of his mind, he's like, I'm just wondering what's that shoebox. I'd love to talk to her about whatever the secret is she's been keeping from me for her whole marriage. And so curiosity got the best of him. He went home, and he looked in the shoebox, and he found stacks and stacks and stacks of money, just cash, $100 bills, and two crocheted dolls. So he took the shoebox to his wife, and he said, you got to tell me what's going on with this shoebox. And she said, well, my grandmother gave me some great advice. She said that the key to a healthy marriage is to never hold a grudge. So she said, every time that we had a fight, every time that I got angry with you, she said to crochet a doll. And he thought to himself, I've done pretty good. We've been married for years and years and years and years, and she only crocheted two dolls. I can't hardly believe that. He said to his wife, well, that explains the dolls. What about all the money? And she said, well, I sold, I sold all the crochet dolls that I made. <laughs> you, 
you got to be productive with your anger. you got to be. Anytime you let marital conflict go unresolved, you're cracking the door to the devil, and you're inviting him into your relationship. And every time that the devil gets any sort of access to your life, his goal is to destroy you. It's to tear you down in every way. And one of the ways that he can destroy you in the most painful way possible is to destroy your marriage. And he's going to take a small fight and he'll turn it into a huge problem. He'll take a disagreement that you've got with your wife and he'll turn it into a division. And and this disagreement now all of a sudden, it's caused this wall to be built between you and your wife, between you and your husband. And you don't hold hands anymore, you're not affectionate anymore, you don't give each other those loving looks anymore because of this disagreement that's been turned into a division. If you give the devil enough time, he'll take that division and he'll turn it into disgust. And now all of a sudden you're sleeping in two separate rooms and you can't even look at that other person without getting angry. And if you give him enough time, he'll take disgust and he'll turn it into destruction. And and the marriage that was once so strong and you loved him so deeply has now been totally destroyed. And not only has that marriage been destroyed, but your family's been destroyed and friendships have been destroyed and churches have been destroyed. Listen to me. Your marriage is worth fighting for. It is. But let's make sure that we're fighting fair. I'm going to end with this thought. When I have people come in for premarital counseling, one of the things that I'll do before we end our sessions is I'll have them write on a note card three or four reasons that they're marrying the person that they're marrying in particular. And they'll write down some of the sweetest things. And and once they finish writing those things down, I'll have them read them, those things to one another, right there in the office. And it's a really just one of the sweetest things you can imagine. Many times they'll, they'll get choked up talking about their future spouse and how much they love them and all the reasons that they love them. And maybe many times they never really thought about it in that way before and, and definitely never vocalized it in that way before. And so what I'll tell them to do is to take those cards and put them somewhere they're going to remember them, in a wallet or in their purse or in their Bible. And I'll say, I want you to make sure that you can get to that note card quickly. Because there's going to be times in your marriage where you ask yourself this question. Why did I ever marry this person? Why did we ever get married? And I need you to understand today, some of you have walked into this room and you're carrying such a heavy burden from your relationship, from your marriage. And you may be asking yourself that question today. And so I want to encourage you to think back to those days long ago when you got married. And be reminded, there is definitely a reason that you married the person that you married. And they haven't changed. They may have made some mistakes. But you still love them. And they love you. Because your spouse is not your enemy. And so this is what we're going to do as a church family. We're going to resolve to fight for our marriage. And sometimes that's going to involve an argument. But we're going to make sure every time that we have an argument, we're quick to listen. And we're slow to speak, and we're slow to be angry. And we're going to work towards a resolution. We're not going to fight to win. Pray with me. Lord, I'm grateful for your word and the wisdom found in it. I'm grateful to be able to share these truths with these people here today. And Lord, I pray that each and every one of us will take an inventory of where we are in our marriages and where we are in our relationships. And that we'll take seriously, Lord, how important it is to you that we work on those relationships. 
I pray that you will empower us in every way. Give us wisdom. Give us patience. Fill us once again with love and joy in our marriages. In Jesus' name, amen. I want to thank you guys for being here. Next week, we're going to continue this sermon series. And uh, it might be a little bit more like on the PG-13 side next week. I'm not going to make it weird on y'all, but I would say that it might be a good week if you have uh, younger kids and students to take advantage of our, all of our children's ministries. And we've got something for uh, all those kiddos between preschool and fifth grade. And we've got a nursery right out the back. So uh, just be aware of that, and I hope that you'll come back. Uh, it's a little teaser for you. be a lot of fun next week. Might get a little bit toasty in here, but it's all good. As you leave, go loving and following Jesus to the best of your ability. And as you do, he will bless you. Thanks for being here. Love you guys.